to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. This episode is brought to you by She Leads Live. It's the conference for women entrepreneurs and leaders taking place in New York City on November 10th and 11th, 2022. We cannot wait to see you there. We're coming back after a couple of years taking off and we cannot wait to share our thoughts, our ideas and network with all of you live in New York City. So go out and get your tickets today You can go to SheLeadsMedia.com and look for She Leads Live 2022, or you can go over to Eventbrite where the tickets are sold. Just search She Leads Media and look for She Leads Live 2022. See you then. Hello, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, and I am so incredibly pleased to be able to introduce my guest to you today. Her name is Mills Bender, and she's the founder and CEO of Mills Knows Bills. Welcome to Sugar Coated Mills. Thank you so, so much for having me, Adrian. I'm really excited to be here and, and even more excited to have this conversation with you today. Oh, me too. I I just feel like there is something in the air where women are talking about money and finance and building wealth, and I am certainly pointed in that direction. So when our mutual friend Yuri introduced you to me, I was very excited to bring you on the show. One of the things that I love about what you do is you offer practical, actionable advice for women entrepreneurs in order to sort of figure out how to manage and grow their financial wealth as entrepreneurs. So -hmm. let's get into it. How did you even start this entire journey? (laughs) Well, like many other entrepreneurs, out of desperation comes innovation, right? So in fall of 2014, about eight years ago from the recording of this podcast, I found myself with a dollar and 50 cents in my bank account. Hmm. And that was all I had. And from that moment that I always say that was my come to Jesus moment of, girl, you got to figure something out and you got to figure it out (laughs) now. (laughs) And so when I had that, that moment, I thought, okay, well, how did I get here? How can I make sure that I don't get here again? How do I fix this situation? And I just... I went down this spiral of asking myself all these questions about money. And the scary part was, number one, I didn't know the answers to most of those questions. And number two, I knew that there were other things that I was not asking myself simply because I had never been exposed to them, right? The Mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know conundrum. And so I sat with that feeling of overwhelm, decided that I was going to put my big girl pants on shortly after that. 
and started my financial journey. So that's, that's really where it began. And I just fell in love with it over time, fell in love with educating other people and empowering them through that education. And that's where I am today. I love it. So I I think that so many women can relate to your story, you know, and there's been uh, many women that I've spoken to not only having, you know, a dollar 50 in their account, but also, you know, debt, school loans, credit card debt. And I'm actually almost finished with reading a, a book by Rachel Rogers. And she talks about the fact that you know, we need we need to first not shame ourselves for spending the the money that we spent to get us to that position. You know, we we yeah. spend out of love for people mm-hmm. or maybe to make ourselves feel better. And yes, that can go awry, but mm-hmm. we shouldn't shame ourselves for the the place that we're in right now. And the yeah. best thing we can do is to educate ourselves and start taking action. So, you know, if somebody does find themselves in the position where they have, you know, a dollar fifty, a hundred and fifty, you know, we need a lot more than that, we know in, in today's, mm-hmm. you know, economy. Inflation. Inflation, <laughs> yes. you know, the recession is here, you know, all of that can be so scary if if yeah. it if we allow it to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess this must be another sort of challenge in your business for you too, that you, in addition to everything that you're doing now, we are facing like maybe a little bit more of a challenge during these times. What would you suggest to women entrepreneurs that maybe find themselves in debt or they can't, they're not achieving the level of revenue in their business that they had hoped? Absolutely. Well, first thing I want to, I want to just comment on the fact that you used a very specific word. You said allow ourselves, right? And allow means that we have the control of how we perceive certain situations. So I actually start every conversation with clients or or prospects with just money mindset in general. Being yeah. able to understand your thoughts around money, how it makes you feel, why you have those thoughts, always challenging those thoughts as well. You don't have to believe everything that you think, Mm. right? So I attribute money mindset to kind of leveling the ground before you start building that foundation of financial wellness. I mean, and if you want, Adrian, I can send you my money mindset guide. You can link it in the show notes or or whatever's most easy for Mm -hmm. for your audience, but it's a great place Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great place for you to have an objective conversation, not only with yourself, but with a partner or spouse or anybody else who you talk about money with on a consistent basis. Once you've gotten that, I wouldn't say necessarily completely handled because it's always a work in progress, but once you've gotten some type of grip on your money mindset, that's when you really want to start building that foundation of establishing a budget. And a lot of people I talk to hate the B word. Yes. They hate it, right? <laughs> but I actually like using it because I'm I'm reclaiming ownership of budgeting and what that looks like. All a budget is, is a monetary reflection of your priorities, mm. right? It's It doesn't mean that you have to eat rice and beans. It doesn't mean that you need to have a super restrictive lifestyle. Money is the tool that we get to use to live the life that we want. Mm. So really a budget should be a reflection 
of where you want your money to be going. And as entrepreneurs, our income isn't capped. So I actually encourage my entrepreneurial clients to work backwards. Rather than starting with the income that you're already receiving, list out all of the expenses, savings, investments, everything that you want to put your money towards each month. Work backwards towards a total sum. Let's just say that's 5K. And then look at what 5K looks like in your business. If that's the equivalent of selling 50 products, now you have a tangible goal of what you need to do each month in order to hit that dollar amount. If it's closing two clients, how many conversations do you need to have to close those two clients? Mm. Right? Chances are you're really good at your business. Just the money side is really hard. So if you've given yourself a strategy and something to work towards that is within your zone of genius, for me, that's, that's working with clients. Now you get to do what you're really good at and what you enjoy. And then your business is no longer something that's stressful. It's something that you wake up and you're excited for. Yeah, this is incredible and very practical advice. And I really love how you are reframing what a budget is or what budgeting is. And I, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you that it's a, a tool that you can use to offer you insight, right? Yeah. And give you a way to plan. It's more the, It's more a plan. Mm-hmm. And I think budget does have a little bit of a negative connotation around it. And it's exactly what you said. Like you have to pull back, reduce expenses, and we need to shift that around and figure Mm -hmm. out what we need in order to run our business and then use our creative brains in order to figure out what we need to get there. And it feels a lot more tangible to set a goal that means, you know, two clients or five clients or sell 10 widgets or whatever mm-hmm. it is, because we can then, we can put our minds toward that goal and right. we can also see what impact it has if we exceed that goal or if we, if we don't meet it and, and absolutely gain the evidence to make the adjustments for the following week or month or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I love that Absolutely. so much. It's like so clear, so logical, so, <laughs> you know, like, yes, okay. But it's not easy to do this. And and like you mm-hmm. said, I think it starts with the mindset, of course. But where are also some of the points that someone might get tripped up? So let's say, you know, they do some work around their mindset and they're like, okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then they they put together the, their plan, their budget, what what are some of the other points that they sort of get stuck? Hmm. Well, what I will say is that a lot of my a lot of my clients are in the service based industry, meaning they're they're not selling a widget; they're really selling their time. Hmm. And one of the biggest factors that I see almost every single client that I've ever worked with has had the same issue: they don't value their time enough. And that is really difficult because if they need 5K a month in order to cover all their personal and business expenses, but they only have the capacity with their time to bring in $3,500 a month because they're not, they're not selling their services at a, a higher price point, then they're stuck in this loop, mm. right? So 
that's that kind of falls into the mindset perspective of being able to value yourself enough. But sometimes it's it's hard to just go with your gut feeling. So mm-hmm. I do have some metrics that I use with my clients to make sure that they aren't undervaluing or underselling their services. So yeah. one thing that that we kind of talk about is if you feel like you're running out of time and you have no more time for clients, that's a good indicator. It's time to increase your prices. Yeah, it is. Another metric that I use is I actually help them create their hourly rate. So the first thing you do is figure out how many hours a day you want to be working, not how Mm -hmm. many you are working, right? But want to be. You multiply Mm -hmm. that by the number of days a week you want to work multiplied by the number of weeks a year that you would like to be working. And what that gives you is the annual amount of hours that you would like to dedicate towards your business. Mm -hmm. You then divide those annual hours by the total revenue that you want to bring in. So 5K a month is the equivalent of 60K a year. 60K a year divided by those those hours gives you your hourly rate. And what you Mm -hmm. then get to do is look at what you sell in your business, right? If you have a package that takes four hours of your time, you should take those four hours multiplied by that hourly rate. And that's the minimum that you should be selling that package for, right? What I often find is I have clients that are on average selling their time for 25% what they're worth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's tough. Wow. That is... That is scary. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, we do it to ourselves. And what what ends up happening is that because we're all sort of doing this, that's the price that others out in the market think that services are worth. So by mm-hmm. undervaluing ourselves and putting that out there and everybody sort of operating in that same mode it's sort of sets the stage for that's what a price is. So mm-hmm. I think as a community and a collective, all women need mm-hmm. to really increase their rates dramatically yeah. so that we adjust the market and say, this is what the market is. It's not mm-hmm. these lower price services because, you know, there's somebody like me, I have so much education and so much experience and everything, but Mm -hmm. because I'm offering a similar service, let's say, you know, PR consulting, Mm -hmm. people think that PR consulting is a certain, you know, dollar figure, but there's things that I bring to the table Mm -hmm. based on all of my experience and education and background that someone else might not. And that's the difference. And we have to educate the market on what those differences are and how they can help our clients. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Like as women, it's, it feels natural to go into a service-based business, Mm -hmm. right? We love talking to people. We love Mm -hmm. helping. Yes. (laughs) Others see value in in what we do and they love us, right? Like it's rewarding. Mm -hmm. And we're helping people often that we really love their businesses. Mm -hmm. But we also have been taught that because that stuff is natural to us, that we can't charge a premium for it. Mm -hmm. That's the mindset we got to (laughs) change. Yeah. Right. And and just because, you know, for example, for me, just because managing money is really easy to me now does not mean it's going to be easy for somebody else. 
Right. Social media and marketing and all that. Yeah, I can do it. It's not my zone of genius, not my jam. So you know what? I hired somebody and she's a hundred percent worth every single dollar. Yeah. The, the really cool part when it comes to increasing your prices is you don't need to bring in as many clients, which means right. you're either going to make the same amount of revenue working half the amount of time, which is great. Mm. But then you also start attracting the type of client that you want to be working with. Yeah. If they already don't value your price point, chances are they're not going to be a fun client anyway. Yeah. The, the worst clients I've had have been the ones that wanted discounts and nickel and dimed me and, and all of that. And it's, they end up being the most work. The yeah. cl- my, my premium clients that pay me 10 times the amount every other client d- that I have, yeah, easiest ones, barely yeah. ever calls me. But you know what? When they do call me, I pick, I pick up and it's yeah. worth that phone call. It's worth the stress of managing their finances. I love this. I I hear this time and time again, too, that exactly what you said, the the clients that are asking for discounts, nickel and diming, asking Mm -hmm. you to reduce your rates or do more, Mm -hmm. they're they're the ones that are going to harm your business. Mm -hmm. And the ones that, you know, that they they pay you every month without even asking, right? You're on their auto pay. Right. They are the best, they see your value. Mm-hmm. I think that everything probably goes back to mindset. But when women start businesses and sweeping statements, right? Like when women start businesses, we say, even though we have a lot of education or experience or knowledge, we say, we're just starting. And so we start from this really low point. And Mm -hmm. it's hard, it's difficult to dramatically increase our rates because that requires a dramatic shift in our mindset. Yeah, It's like shopping at Walmart and then, you know, and that's sort of what you're used to and then walking into Neiman Marcus. Right. You know, the Walmart shopper, is, is a different shopper in mm-hmm. general than a, a Neiman Marcus shopper. Mm-hmm. And to make that leap is is big. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you suggest that women sort of ladder up their pricing? Or do you suggest like, look, really figure it out and go out strong with your new pricing? Like what are what's some of the advice that you give? Well, when you're when you're having conversations with new prospects, just give them the new pricing. And my mm. favorite tip is to just say, rather than the cost, right? I don't say the cost of my program is X, Y, Z. I say the investment is X, Y, Z, and then Mm. silence. Mm. You let the other party speak first because chances are you are going to discount yourself more times than they're going to ask for the discount. Yeah. Right. I'm not cheap. I'm not, but you know what? I'm really good at what I do. And every single person I've worked with has doubled their investment by the end of the 90 days of our program. That's amazing. every single person, right? So it's, it truly is an investment. And then yeah. I let them say, well, is there a payment plan? Absolutely. Let's talk about a payment plan, right? Let mm. them bring up their objection before you give it to them first. So 
Not only does Mills know know bills, Mills knows sales. Yes, I do know sales. (laughs) 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 That that comes from a time working with, um, I worked as a Hershey rep and I've worked with, I did, I've taken classes, I've had coaches help me. I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, silence is your biggest player. And as women, we want to just, we want to fix it, right? We want to get to the solution and be like, oh, well, I can't, I can give you a discount, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the best clients I've had were is when I just say, this is the investment. Yeah. Let them speak first, which is really you cool. are giving out such incredible <laughs> nuggets of wisdom. Thank that you. <laughs> I hope that people in the She Leads and the sugar-coated audience grab onto. These, I feel, are success tips and things that we're not necessarily taught Mm-mm. as entrepreneurs. And we we get so wrapped up in wanting to make the sale or or you know satisfy someone that we run ourselves into the ground and mm-hmm. we're not smart and strategic about it because we we get nervous that our business mm-hmm. is going to fail. Right. It's not going to fail. It's really not. And and when you increase your pricing and you talk to somebody new, you can't give you can't just give it at a discount right away. You can work on payment plans. There's other ways that you can work with that person, but it's not worth your time, right? If you if yeah. you're basing the, the pricing off your hourly rate, it's not worth your time anything less than that because it's going to be costing you and your business more time. Yeah. So anytime you bring on somebody new, you just out of the gate, you talk about your new pricing. When you've been working with some clients for a long time, I always encourage, you know, have a conversation with them and say, hey, we've been working together for this amount of time. As my business has grown and scaled, you know, I've had to increase my pricing because you've been such a great client. I'm not going to go from $50 an hour to $150 an hour with you, but I would love to meet you in the middle. How about $100 an hour? Right. Because Mm -hmm. I really thank you for being with me. And most of the time, if they value you, they'll be okay with that. And if they, if they don't, then that's your opportunity to get rid of that client. Chances are they're probably taking too much of your time and energy anyway. And it Mm. might be afraid, it might be scary to fire that client, but it's going to open up space for somebody else to come in and you to generate even more revenue. Yeah. Gosh, we need to hear this. We need to hear this. We need to, this needs to be our mantra every day. I mean, I definitely put myself into positions where I'm doing more than I should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've done it in the past. I recognize it and I still fall into the trap. So I'm going to post this up in, in front of my face every single day. <laughs> and, you know, I do think that it's very worth it to especially now with the recession, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else is going up in price. Why shouldn't our services rise with those rising costs as yeah. well? Yeah. The other question that I had for you, so there's a lot of women that are in the sugar-coated audience and, and she leads media audience who they're coming out of corporate and mm-hmm. they are sort of used to making a certain amount of money in that pay, that steady paycheck coming in every mm-hmm. single, every, you know, every two weeks or however they're paid. Um, but it's consistent. 
And when they start their businesses, you know, I don't see them actually going out of the gate at a at a high rate. I do see them going out at, you know, a, a market rate that's kind of low, like how, how maybe a 21-year-old would launch their business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, I think, fear in moving from corporate steady stream income to, you know, being out there sort of on your own. Do you suggest that women right out of the gate go out, especially if they have this type of corporate experience and they're doing similar things, do you suggest that they do go out of the gate with that higher pricing? I mean, why the hell not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. None of us do. It's no. it's a weird phenomenon. No, we, we normally don't. And I mean, I'll be the first person to say I didn't value myself when I first started my business. Yeah. You know, and it's it's tough because again, it's so natural, right? Normally when we start businesses, it's because that skill set is natural to us. Because yeah. it's natural to us, it's easy. And because it's easy, therefore we feel like we shouldn't be charging a premium. But if you have all this experience, look at how much time, money, and energy it's taken you to accumulate that amount of experience. Yeah. And then factor that in. (laughs) Right. I mean, if I were to take all of my experience and put a dollar amount on it, I would say easily, easily 150 grand and four years. Right. Yeah. But now I'm saying you have 90 days to learn the basics of what you need. And it's going to cost you a fraction of that 150 K. Yeah. Right. So that's the, that's the perspective that I started having and I started teaching and if you start, if you come out of the gate with a higher price point, number one, it gives you the flexibility to give those discounts or sales, right? Maybe you have a promo month, whatever it may be, but also you don't need as many clients at that price point. What I do see is a lot of fear around when to make that jump of going corporate to full-time business owner. So what I normally talk about is if that is a fear point for you, establish your emergency fund, right? Which kind of comes back to your budget. Know what your expenses are on both the personal and business side and set aside three months of those expenses. Because what that gives you is less stress on having to make those sales immediately. Also, it gives you the, the opportunity to just buy yourself time to give yourself that that ramping up period of those 90 days to get your business going. And it becomes a little less fearful for you to kind of take that big leap. Yeah. And I, I think another thing that we need to factor in, you mentioned it, you touched on it a little bit before when you talked about hiring the person uh, to do your marketing and social media for you. I, I think when we also start our businesses oftentimes that it's it's us. And like you mm-hmm. talked about before, you reach a certain capacity where you just can't do it anymore. So you need to hire someone. I, I think that that is also something that needs to be factored in from the very beginning. Like the 100%. knowledge that you can't do it alone. Yeah. Like yeah. put that other person's hourly rate on top of your rate. You're going to be spending the time training that person, getting them up to speed, having them shadow you. So it it almost Mm -hmm. makes sense to figure out what you're paying them and add that to your hourly rate so that that is the rate that you're offering at minimum. Mm -hmm. Because it gives you the flexibility to actually bring someone on to help. Yeah. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, this is, 
this is called sugar-coated, right? Um, yep. I'm not going to sugarcoat this next statement. Until you start outsourcing and delegating, you don't own a business. You own a job. Mm-hmm. And yes. I don't know about you, but I did not become an entrepreneur to be married to my job. Right. Yeah. There's there was this Instagram and TikTok trend going around, you know, I didn't want to work a nine to five, so now I work twenty four seven. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not funny. Like it's funny, yeah. but it's not it's not that funny. Yeah. Because we we wanted to become entrepreneurs so we could have freedom with our yeah. time and the people that we work with. And you know, for a lot of us women who wanna have a family, you know, being able to spend time with our kids, you can't do that if you own a job. No, you can't. This is such great advice. And it I think it works for all stages of a, a woman's life, right? Mm-hmm. There's what when you want to or or you know, whatever, like the different stages of our lives when we're younger, maybe having a family, it becomes, you know, all consuming. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, you know, you want to maybe lean harder into your business, but if your business hasn't sort of grown along with you or you haven't hired the help to help your business grow along with you, it's mm-hmm. like starting over again. Right. I mean, I in sort of my uh, journey as an entrepreneur, you know, I, I got out of corporate, I started my own business um, and I, I, I've done so many different things. You know, my, my business has gone through different evolutions mm-hmm. and you know, nothing has has really been it, right? It, I haven't like cracked the code on what the exact business model is and all mm-hmm. of it. But at the same time, you know, sometimes I get down on myself that my business isn't more successful from a revenue point of view. However, I was really able to have the flexibility to be around for my two children as they were growing up through middle school, through yeah. high school. And yet still earning a pretty decent revenue. So there has to be value in that too. And I Mm -hmm. I remind myself a lot about how sometimes the the money that's coming into the business isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily reflective of success in life. It, It really isn't. And honestly, there's a season for everything. Yeah, there really is. I mean, personally, I made more revenue in the first six months of this year than I did last year alone. Wow. I was on track to, to more than double. But then, as you know, Adrian, I'm very pregnant right now. I'm <laughs> due literally any day. Could be today here towards, on Sugarcoated. <laughs> it literally could be today. Let's, <laughs> let's hope not, but it could be. Um, But what I found was towards the middle of this year, my energy and it just completely depleted. And what I found myself doing was I actually closed my book of my, my book of business. And I got to the point where I realized that my business growth is bottlenecked by my capacity. And that's not where I want to be personally, but just because I've identified that issue does not mean I I needed to fix it right away. Sometimes those solutions take some time. And it's taken yeah. me three, four months to start making those different changes in my business. And by mm. the end of this year, it's not going to be 100% handled how I would like it to be. But you're right. 
I've brought in the revenue that I've needed to sustain myself throughout the rest of the year. By the time I'm healed and I'm ready to get back to work in the new year after I've taken three months off, I'll be able to, you know, hit the ground running, really fully implement what I want to have implemented in my business. And sometimes it's just acknowledging the fact that I get to be in this transitionary phase, mm. right? Yeah. I, I get to figure out a solution to this quote unquote problem, right? Yeah. And again, it's all about the mindset. It's it's not that it's an issue. It's just that I want to improve it. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just for, you know, not sugarcoating it. I And I do, I really believe that more women need to have conversations like this because mm-hmm. I'm listening to you. I'm shaking my head. I'm saying like, yeah, I get it. You know, there's, it's almost like you run a marathon and you give it your absolute all. Yeah. But you got to rest afterwards. So mm-hmm. that that's what it feels like when you're sort of building the business, you're going all in, you're doing sales, you're executing, you're hiring people, and it can get exhausting. Oh, yeah. So I understand the the dip in energy and mm-hmm. and the challenge of of if you actually don't have the energy, what do you do? Right. And that's where our creative minds can come in. That's where we can ask for help. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I I have been thinking about a lot and that I, I just sort of heard you say is that business and our own businesses are in this constant state of evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Circumstances around us are constantly changing. And Mm -hmm. so if we keep our business the same in those changing circumstances, it's not going to work. It's not sustainable. No. And to adopt that mindset of it's always changing, so I'm always changing, Mm -hmm. it it really almost takes away the pressure of having to actually figure it out Mm -hmm. Mm because it's always changing. It is. Yeah. I, I just love that. I mean, even even in general, as women, our our energy fluctuates throughout the month with our menstrual cycles in general. Yeah. Right? There's going to be some weeks where we have a lot more energy, some weeks where we don't. And we feel like because we live in a quote unquote man's world that we have to be on 100% of the time. Yeah. When in reality, our feminine energy is actually what allows us to be really successful entrepreneurs because we've identified that there's a time for on and there's a time for rest. And I'm trying Mm. to, I'm looking at my phone right now. I know you're looking at me, but I'm trying to find this quote or not necessarily quote, but statistic from Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. (laughs) It was something ridiculous, like 75% of his returns when it comes to investing in businesses comes from women led or women owned businesses. Yes. That's insane. And why we don't give ourselves enough credit is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, right? Because there is evidence there that the businesses that we start and we grow Mm -hmm. are not only the our our challenge as women, I think, is the amount of revenue that we bring in, but the profitability of our companies Mm -hmm. is where our strength is. Mm -hmm. So so even if our businesses aren't as big, they're more profitable. And Mm -hmm. that's probably why he invests in in women-owned businesses because he knows that we know Mm -hmm. how to manage 
everything. (laughs) We can multitask, we can juggle, we can have those interpersonal relationships with our team or vendors or whoever it is, as well as the the go-getter of the sales and the revenue. And, you know, who's to say that you can't build a multi-million, multi-billion dollar company like Sarah Blakely has and still be 100% owner? Uh, amazing. I And she really, I do believe, embodies, at least for me, everything that I think of when I think of a successful woman yes. entrepreneur. Yes. She's she's it. I'm obsessed she with really her. She really is. If I ever me meet too. her, <laughs> if I meet her, I'm going to die. It's, just, it's okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Take I me think, now. <laughs> what, what I think it's funny, too, is that, you know, I think if we ever do get the chance to meet her, you know, I think that She's a regular person who just mm-hmm. made very smart and strategic decisions, and she really mm-hmm. trusted herself. Yeah. yeah, more than anything else. So it's it's not like she's, it's not like we can't be her. It's not like other people can't do the things that she did. She really, mm-hmm. you know, moved and and grooved and made decisions based on how she felt and what her gut was and all of it. And that mm-hmm. should be such an inspiration for all of us. She trusted herself. Absolutely. We don't always. No, it's, it's, it takes time. It takes practice. Yeah. Well, listen, I think that this conversation has been chock full of incredible, super practical, actionable advice, which I know that I really appreciate and that I know that the sugar-coated audience really appreciates as well. So Mills, thank you so much. And how can people get in touch with you? I know that you'll probably be taking a little time off for, uh, you know, the what's Baby coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, when, when you're ready to kind of ramp back up or even just have some conversations with people, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciated being here and, and being part of your community. Um, if anybody's listening that would like to to connect with me one on one, you can find me on Instagram at Mills Knows Bills. You can check out my website, millsnosebills.com. And you can also send me an email, mills at millsnosebills.com. I am on other platforms, but those are those are three easy ways to connect with me and make sure that I can put you in the right direction. Absolutely wonderful. We will include all of that in the show notes. And just thank you so much again for sharing your time with us here today. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. The She Leads Podcast Network.